Today on our show, we're doing our latest top 10, last top 10, last 10, y'all. With the idea from the Cine Realist Genius Podcast. Let's go, dog. Welcome to episode 410 of the Countdown Podcast, I want to say. Correct. <laughs> my name is Wayne. And my name is Paul. Welcome to the podcast. We count down stuff in order of awesomeness so you don't have to. Today is a long-standing episode of the show, the Top 10 Last 10, where we rank and review 10 films that have no connection other than the fact we've watched them since we last did this topic. That's right, and haven't usually sort of really talked about it before. No, we don't steer clear of anything we've reviewed formally or have gone into detail in the best of or the worst of of the year, mm-hmm. which... Not surprising then, Wayne, made my list more middle ground than you might expect, except I decided to lean towards good. So I've only got one film this week I didn't like. One. And even that one wasn't a one star. So I'm not going to be angry. I'm not going to be upset. I'm not going to jump up and down and scream into the mic as I normally do for the first one or two of these choices. Well, let me handle it then, because my list is fucking ass. And I've got nine (laughs) films, three stars or above on my list. Holy ball. Well, for Paul, that's a lot. I've been making some good decisions lately in terms of what I've been watching. Well done, old man. Well, in that case, let's start it all, you know, well, when we're ready. I think you should go first. (laughs) Absolutely. Very happy to. But before we get there, look, I would hit the button, but there's only one bit of feedback. It's been very crazy around these parts. There's a trip coming and blah, blah, blah. We've recorded so many times. Wayne is now looking forward. We're both having basically two weeks off from the show That's after right. this recording. So, so much landlord I'm going to buy. <laughs> so-, <laughs> so, in other words, I haven't had time to go to the countdown, listen to the community links in the show notes and say which was the best list of that this particular week. But I did get some feedback from patrons of the show, Dan, aka Minahaker, on the Facebook listening community. Dan. And Dan wanted to take us both to task. Mm. Mainly you, though. Sure. Paul, please inform your co host that Eva Green is French. Has always been French and will always be French. She has never been Irish ever. She's French. <laughs> wow, I always thought she was Irish. Why did I think she was Irish? I don't know. I just I went with her. I'm like, okay, Wayne obviously knows what he's talking about. They're both really white, I guess. But the okay. reality is. <laughs> uh, thanks for the heads up, Dan. He also said, "I agree with you both. Fuck you, cousins from Singapore. Dungeons and Dragons looks amazing. Damn straight, y'all. Can't wait for that shit." And then his last one was, "But then again, I agree with Wayne. John Wick Two is objectively not that good." Mm-hmm. Hot damn! You know what? I agree with everything he said. <laughs> there you are. Thank you for that feedback, Dan. All right, then Wayne. Without any further ado, let's do it. We got uh, up to twenty films we're going to be reviewing today. Damn right. We're we'll on the other side of our this break and the top ten last like year. Looks up to the last 10, 2023 edition. Nice. And of course, City Realist came up with this idea, so thank you to those gentlemen over there for that. Wayne, you said you wanted me to go first. Yeah, man. So let's take away it, man. the one film I did not like, and it's going to cause some consternation. Mm-mm. I've worked out that I don't like musical parody films, Wayne. Oh, shit. Weird, Colin. It's on my list. The Al Yankovic story just wasn't that good for me. Dude! I saw it like two nights ago, and I'm like, I okay. Here, let's just before. What did you? Because uh, we we saw the, the the still of Daniel Harry Potter, Red, Red um, Cliff, Red Cliff yes. right? 
him being Weird Al Yankovic. And it looked really mesmerizing because it looked just like him except muscular. And I am in the vast minority here. Are you? Because then so am I, Paul, because I thought this was shit. Oh. In fact, it's my number eight. Okay. Because I saw two shittier films. I didn't know what to expect. Neither did I. So I went in expecting it to be like not autobiographical and serious. But a biopic. Funny, but a biopic, right? Yep. Or biopic, whatever the appropriate term is. And instead, it took me like way too long. I'm going to be honest. It took me like six or seven minutes to realize, oh, this is bullshit. Six or seven minutes? It took me 30 minutes, Paul. No, no, that bit where his dad beats the shit out of the, whatever you call it, um, accordion salesman. salesman. I'm like, okay, well, this is clearly ridiculous on the top. But here's the thing. That's still like the most realistic kind of thing about the film because it starts with young Al and his dad's a blowhard asshole. Then in his adolescence, you know, he attends a poker party and is considered the geek because he won't play the accordion in front of his cool <laughs> friends who all love poker you know, music. It sounds funny in retrospect, but at the time, I'm just like, what no, is no, no, this? No, 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 this is, this is it. I'm looking at it. You're right. You're right. Well, tell me, tell me. What did you think? Did you? What no, was... I, and then it went from there. Apparently that story, for example, like, there's a beat where he, he does his first song, which I can't remember what it's called. And they, he gets his mates in his band to do it inside a public toilet because yep. the acoustics were good. Apparently, that is a true story. He did do it in a bathroom, but not in a train bathroom. Oh, okay. But still, they yeah, take yeah. the nuggets of true information yeah. and populate it in a ridiculous way until about two-thirds of the way through the film. I just went, fuck reality. Let's just do this ridiculous over-the-top parody of biopics, musical biopics, where he's dating Madonna and he's becoming a commando. And I was and like, he this kills sucks. Pablo Escobar. Yep. And shit. This is what it is, right? I was sitting there going, and, I, and so as I'm going through it, I think about it in the 30 minute, I'm like, oh, so this is all made up. The laugh they're playing is an odd note. As a viewer, I'm not sure how to take it. But I'm sitting there going, oh, this movie, which is about parodies, is in fact a parody itself. Yes. Now, Weird Al, that works fine for your songs. I don't know that it works for a biopic. Well, that's interesting, isn't it? Because this one almost plays like one of his songs. I heard this review somewhere. I can't remember who to give this credit to, so I'm sorry if I'm quoting you and you listen to this show. But basically, it plays out like a Weird Al song. In yes. that most of his songs start out silly, unless you recognize them instantly, like Amish Paradise or whatever else. Yep. But the more generic songs, like The Good Old Days and whatever else, mm. they start out very kind of normal-ish. You listen to the lyrics and, there's yeah. a, and then they get more and more ridiculous the further it goes along. Yes. Like this film. Yes, and I don't care for it. Yeah. So, like, it's it, there's a scene where, like, his friends are in an apartment, and then Maisha Rona comes on the radio, and then these dudes like, hey, can I use your bologna for this? <laughs> yeah, you can use my bologna. And then it becomes a thing, right? And I'm like, okay, I guess. And then he goes to a party, and there's, like, Andy Warhol, and Salvador Dali is there. And I'm sitting there going, so I'm, okay, I understand that I'm not supposed to, like, take this seriously. Mm-hmm. But also, I don't find this very interesting. Like, I don't think the artistic note that is played here is particularly impressive, nor is it that interesting. So, like, I actually at one stage was like, because Daniel Craig, Daniel Craig, Daniel Radcliffe Mm -hmm. has got um, a history of making interesting choices, right? After, after, like, the fucking Harry Potter thing, he goes and does Swiss Army Man and all sort of shit, right? This, I think, was a misstep. I'm like, why did you, why did you, did it look better on paper? Because it's not. Terrible, terrible, but it's fucking meaningless. Like, I don't think the, the whole thing is made up makes it kind of shit. And so I was really unimpressed. Like, I was like, uh, about halfway through, I kind of went, whatever happens, I don't give a fuck, because it doesn't matter. Yeah, It's I, all made up. It's very much the same for me. And I guess that comes from expectations. I expected something a bit more really about his life, which I, would be funny. I would have expected something as well. So, I would have liked So that's, we're out of check, I guess, because 3.6 stars on Letterboxd. I know Joey from So Easy had this in his top three films of the year. People found this what? hilarious. So between this and that walk hard, the Dewey Cox story, I've just realized this is not my genre. It's not my thing. I don't like it. Hang on. So walk hard was also a gag, but in my opinion, that was played a lot better than this. Right. Okay. 
So you didn't like like the the Freddie Mercury one, and you didn't. Oh no, like that's the... different because that was that was played straight. See, that's it. So you do like straight biopics. You just don't like this thing. Yeah, well, and I, I would argue that I, kind I didn't of, mind Rocket said, Man, although it wasn't as I liked what I liked about Bohemian Rhapsody was was the music. Yeah, again to see I recreate the songs, was and and he was, I thought he was good in the in that film. Agreed. Rami Malek, I agree. Don't, know whether, don't know whether he deserved to win the Academy Award, but anyway, you know. So I've, I actually the only thing I've enjoyed him in since Rob, my, Mr. Robot or whatever. Yeah, exactly. everything else I'm like, you suck. Yeah, he's, um, he's been terrible since. No, he's then. shit. He's shit. I don't think he's a particularly great actor, but somehow he got to pull I. that one off. So yeah, I'm not big on that. This genre, maybe that's why it's all the way down here at nine ten. For me, it was two stars. It's not like again, don't hate on it. Just was really disappointed. Exactly what I gave it, two stars. Yeah. It's okay. like yeah. So huh, wow. all right, that's my number ten. Your number eight. So we'll bounce back to me at some point. So mm-hmm. we've just dropped from twenty reviews to 30, 30, uh, 19, Exactly. My next one is a bit of an oddity. Which wait a minute, I don't I go for mine. Oh you? yeah, sorry, your number ten. <laughs> sorry, sorry. How the hell can Paul have run a podcast for four hundred ten episodes? <laughs> go ahead, sir. All good. My number ten is maybe the worst movie I've seen in about three, four, or five years. Ooh. Ooh. It is Poker Face. Oh, that's I, right. No. We briefly touched on this. You mentioned it at a table <laughs> yeah, the other so day. I, I, so I took it off my list. was also going to be my number 10. Exactly. Now, uh, yeah, Paul and I hung out for Australia Day with some friends. And I said, hey, Poker Face. And he goes, is that on your list? I'm like, it was good. I'll take it off mine. So everyone, Poker Face is about Russell Crowe, who apparently, Paul can tell me more about this, directed this film. Yeah. Well, apparently this film, he was cast in it. It was yep. going to be in it. And then the director fell over. I don't know who it was meant to be. And so they asked him, do you want to make your directorial debut? And it was meant to be an American film set in America, but it was going to be shot in Australia. And he's like, what the fuck? I'll do this, but we're making an Aussie film. Because he's already in Australia, he doesn't yep. want to move. <laughs> I don't know whether it was meant to be shot over there or shot here and passed for LA, but he's like, this is ridiculous. What's the difference? We're shooting it here. Yep. And so they agreed. That's not the problem. This that movie. is not the problem. <laughs> the problem is much more. Now, cast is Liam Hensworth, Russell Crowe, Chris Hemsworth's wife, um, yeah, in a very sm- weird sm- supporting couple role. other folks that I barely recognise. Steve Bastoni is one of the one of his mates. Is he the bald guy? Yeah. Yep. Uh, and so, recognisable Aussie actors who aren't who are character actors mostly. They're not big yeah, in yeah. any way, shape, or form. And that is also fine. Now he, the story is essentially that Russell Crowe is a rich motherfucker, and he has a crew of like friends who are of disparate sort of means. One is like Liam Tensworth is even though despite being thirty years younger, <laughs> twenty three years age difference. Apparently they grew up at the same time, at the same age, and they That's put right. this shit ass makeup, makeup on. on him to make him blotchy oh. and stuff. He still moves and talks like a young man. You can tell it's a young man under makeup. And oh, RZA. RZA is one of his friends. Yeah, RZA, yeah. That was big. <laughs> so RZA, is, it turns out, but I'm like, well, that was a surprise. Basically, oh, Daniel McPherson. Who? Daniel McPherson. Oh, yeah. A couple of neighbors folks in there. Exactly. Brooks Atchwell. Um, Brooks Atchwell yeah. was in this. Yeah, you're a big fan. I'm a fan. You Don't understand. Uh, I hate that. Uh, so it was... Jack more- Thompson. <laughs> Jack Thompson. That's how you know it's an Aussie film. But here's the thing, right? So the actual plot is that he's a rich guy and he calls all of his friends who usually have a poker game every year or something and he calls them away and he's... You know, it's very opulent to this beautiful place. That's they all drive their different. They pick a different car to drive there. Pop, 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 pop. You shouldn't see this, but I still won't spoil it for you. It's a little bit of a surprise. He's basically well, no, it's not because the very first scenes of the film show he's terminally ill. Okay, fine. He's terminally ill, and he's summoning there because he's got a bone to pick with most of them, if not all of them, and he's going to do this by poisoning them. And and you know what? That's remotely interesting if you look at the premise, right? But every single thing is played shitly. So, 
he gets he goes to this Jack Thompson shaman guy who's a, who's a white guy in the forest or some shit, right? And he gets some poison from him, which is given to him in a leather bound case. Yeah. And where'd you get that, Jack Thompson? Thought you were in the fucking jungle. Anyway, and this poison is like if you inject it, it'll kill you. But if you have a little taste of it, it tells the truth. Yes. So he poisons everyone's yes. wine. Yeah, he's not yeah, he's not intending to kill his mates. No. And then like what you would think is the actual point of the film, but isn't. It's a subplot with three of the biggest dickhead Australian <laughs> robbers. They're art robbers, for a start. Including Matt Nabel from the uh, Mystery in Between. Is that the lead guy? No, he, he's sort of the, the competent right-hand man. Okay, so the, yeah. okay, fine. The three dudes that turn up and try and, like, the, this is unexpected, but they all go into a panic room and the three dudes turn up and they're trying to loot the place. The lead bad guy, I don't know who he is. Benedict Hardy. He's the biggest fucking dickhead I've yep. ever fucking, he's like, oh, fucking Jesse, you fucking can't fucking out. I'm like, shut the fuck up, dickhead. Oh, maybe that's Paul Pasoni now, I'm not sure which one. I don't care. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> and he is ridiculous in how fucking over the top and oh. shit he is. Then, the whole point of that thing is these guys are coming to, 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 to steal art. They're the biggest bogans you've ever met who wouldn't know fuck all about that, so they brought an art dealer with yeah, them. That's right. The art dealer is a pussy, and it's very weird to go to a rich, rich man's house and just try and get the art. You could probably steal a lot of other things that would probably be probably easier to move, right? Anyway, that's all ridiculous. And then it comes to nothing. And it gets even more ridiculous from there. It plays out. It peters out into absolute ridiculousness. It's, and then in the end, it's like, all of this is bullshit. I can't believe it's ending here, but I'm glad it is ending. And even though Russell Crowe... I'll spoil this for you. Russell Crowe co-wrote this film as well so he did when they brought him on he obviously did a rewrite it's a fucking piece of shit all right and and also like in the end when he sort of you know find he actually one of his friends is banging his wife yeah and he still leaves him a load of money i'm like the least you could do is leave everyone else money and not him yeah just to punish. no you guys get 15 million dollars you're fucking great i'm like why russell this is the dumbest shit i've ever heard yeah so uh, it's poker face is so shit it's literally, I was like, wow, I'm amazed at how shit this is, especially for a Russell Crowe film who can make a good movie, but apparently not write or direct. Well, yeah, exactly. I think my review was, geez, for, a, for an actor, for a director, Russell Crowe's a hell of an actor. <laughs> it's, and writer apparently. So yeah, it's uh-huh. so, so yeah, bad. It's terrible. Everyone. I 100% agree with you. All right, then my number nine is a bit of an oddity, as I started to say before I screwed up. This one is written and directed by B.J. Novak. Oh yeah. Of Wait, the Vengeance? Office fame. Yeah, Vengeance. Oh my god, I almost watched this because John Mayer's in it. <laughs> yeah, well, five minutes in this movie, I'm like, Wayne is going to fucking love this film. It doesn't matter what happens from here on in. Because yeah. the first five minutes is him, and this is the hard part to swallow. John Mayer, who doesn't ever get called even John, I don't think, but it's clearly him. And BJ Novak are at this party, basically pontificating around how having a proper relationship with someone is stupid. You should just try and just enjoy <laughs> yourself. Basically being huge poonhounds. And it's funny because it's John Mayer, so he's taking a piss out of himself. Yes. But putting BJ Novak in that same class is important. <laughs> it just doesn't work. You know what it is? Him and BJ Novak are, are mates. Are mates, okay. Right? And um, John Mayer, like in Walk, is it? Uh, that, that, that Will Ferrell and Kevin Hart movie, which you never would have seen, the jail one. Uh, John Mayer's in that playing himself, also taking the piss out of himself. Cause so it's got a good sense of humor. Good yeah, on yeah, That's yeah. good. Anyway, that's a, a minor aside, other okay. than to establish that BJ Novak's character, who is a podcaster, and somehow gets laid a lot. So <laughs> that doesn't sound realistic, everyone. <laughs> and is, you know, on the on the cusp of being like a really famous podcast, maybe not Joe Rogan level, but mm. certainly a known there, entity. He gets a phone call from the brother of one of his hookups saying, Hey, you were her boyfriend and she's dead and she's been basically he's the brother saying she's been killed. Oh. You need to come down here and come to the funeral. And the family 
completely misinterpret her phone and the photos and the exchange that they've had to mean they had a significant relationship when they didn't. Oh. And then he starts to investigate it and decides to turn it into a podcast. And that's the movie. And okay. Going, and this is your number nine. Yeah, it's so West- you don't like it. No, it's three stars. It was fine. Okay. In fact, pretty good. It's got some really great moments. It's I'm got really some surprising cameos. But I would say it kind of peters out in a way which not like Poker Face peters out, don't get me wrong, but in a less than satisfying kind of conclusion. There are some surprising turns midway through the film, but the way it ends, I'm like, uh, okay. Really? So Okay, because I'm interested because this is the guy from Parks and Rec or whatever, right? Or no, who's he from? Park, uh, BJ no the Office. From, the Office, that's yeah. right. And it, Ryan on The Office. Yeah, I saw for some reason I saw press of of the of the opening of this probably because I was looking at John Mayer news and um, <laughs> it was uh, you know it was quite an affair and everyone's turning out and it was his first film and this kind of thing so you always like to go okay I wonder what he does you know but um, okay yeah, well good on him for for produce he produced it he directed it Jason Blum's a co-producer which, uh, and he wrote it by himself so this is all him his idea and whatever else and there. It's an odd moment in this because he's a podcaster, so he's pontificating, but he just goes too hard at that. At mo- it just feels really do you find out of place? Okay, I've got another film on my list which involves a podcaster as mm. well, right? And I'm like, who the fuck is making movies about podcasters? I think anything you do in real life, like when I watch a movie about, like, I think we've established psychologists or, or you know psychiatrists doing therapy in a room. I just go, oh, that's right, ra- that's crap, that's <laughs> terrible. There's this new show now, Jason Siegel and Harrison Ford, Harrison Ford yeah. started yesterday on Apple TV. I'm like. Do I or do I not? I'm just going to get angry at it. How yeah. well written is it? Does it have therapists who are co-writing it? You know what I mean? So, yeah. Like the, the worst part yeah. of Sopranos, 100% was the therapy scene. That's it though, right? If, if, if there's a movie on your career, you are automatically more sort of critical yeah. of it. And I guess because we're podcasters, maybe I'm more critical about podcasting yeah. stuff. Yeah, because it's like, if you're a podcaster, how interesting is that to make a story about? It's not If you were a radio shock jock, that's a real job. Well, they, they made that movie, didn't they, with uh, Howard Stern? They made Stern? a million of them. Yeah. Right? Um, so, yeah, anyway. Okay, that's in, that's interesting. Yeah, well, watch it. Absolutely. Everything from my nine upwards, I recommend watching it if you're into that kind of film. Nice one. Mm. Okay. Well, my number nine was a film that came to light through the podcast uh, community, listening community. Excellent. Where someone said, hey, Burn Notice is in a film. By that I mean Jeffrey Donovan. <laughs> that, that should be your first clue. Well, I've liked Burn Notice in the past in in various roles. The the film is called R.I.P.D. Two. Everyone. Oh Jesus! <laughs> Sometimes right. you get what you deserve. You do. And now I should mention anyone. R.I.P.D. The first one was Ryan Ryan and uh, Jeff Go- uh, Jeff Bridges. Yes. Uh, and and the girl from Weeds. And they um yeah whatever her name is uh, and. That was unfortunately a piece of shit. And so this one here is the sequel to the piece of shit. I can't remember her name. I remember she's in red as well. Yeah, she's Mary Elizabeth, Mary Louise Parker. Mary that's Louise it. Parker. That's it. So yeah. Not, now, Ma- not Mary Elizabeth Mastrantonio. <laughs> I know, I always get this mixed up. So um, anyway, so because I like Burn Notice, I thought this might be fun. And in this one, Burn Notice plays a sheriff in the 1800s who got blown away and is sent up to the RIPD department, <sighs> which is like in heaven or something, to return to Earth and go after some demon. So this is a prequel, technically. I guess so. I didn't mm. even think about that, but yes, it is. Uh, he's got slightly cooler guns. I will tell you that. Um, and you know, of course, he has to. He he he's gets sent down to earth. He's like, "What's going on here?" <laughs> right. And so, um, 
Cocaine is a hell of a drug. There's no banjo. Um, but I didn't think it was. <laughs> but then he comes down to Earth, and of course he's looking for revenge on the people who killed him and kidnapped his daughter's fiance, all this sort of shit. And it's about as good as you'd expect, Paul. Mm-hmm. Uh, for which a is straight to, say, to streaming not, sequel to a shit film already. Yeah, that's how it is now. Straight to streaming as opposed to straight to video because it has that all over it. It might have been okay if they had kept the story on Burn Notice and his hot partner, but they switch and spend a lot of time with the bad guy who would be fine if he was interesting or the plot didn't amble so much. So okay. I would say the film looks quite good for a straight to video or streaming yeah, sure. thing. Like it's filmed well enough and the CGI is possible. But no, don't see this. No. Don't see this. Don't worry. It's safe. <laughs> <laughs> All right, my number eight is a film which has been nominated for the second or the third most amount of Academy Awards in the upcoming year behind Everything Ever All at Once and All Quiet Western Front, which was the second most nominated film, believe it or not, for Academy Awards, mostly in the technical was it? Yeah, aspects. Been nominated for Best Picture. Best cinematography and I think best score. So is all quiet. Your that was all quiet. No, 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 no. Okay. <laughs> my best film last year is not at number eight on my top ten last. Wondering year. about that. This one, as they got third most nominations, it's the Banshees of Inisherin. Ah, tell me about this, Colin Farrell and our mate Brendan Gleeson, mm-hmm. and then Kelly, Kerry, Kerry Condon, Kerry Condon, and mm-hmm. Barry Kean. and you'll recognise all those people when you when you see them. And mm-hmm. it's basically set in like a hundred years ago. In a, off an island, off the coast of Ireland, and the civil war is raging on the mainland, and that's a sort of metaphor for what's happening between Brendan Gleeson and Colin Farrell, because Brendan Gleeson, they, their mates, they go to the pub every day at three o'clock and sink a couple of, of pints and talk, and then one day Colin Farrell rocks around, and Brendan Gleeson's not there, and when he gets to the pub and sort of drinks his beer, and he finally walks in, he comes up to him and says, "I'm not talking to you anymore." What? Just like that. I'm not talking to you anymore. And, and Colin Farrell, who's a simple man, very simple, mm-hmm. like dumb, is the way you would sort of yeah, he's playing it, yep, play it, and, and, and he is in the film. Can't get his head around this. Can't get his head around. And I get it. Like if you're best mate, if you suddenly I walked around here for a podcast one day, I said not doing it anymore. I'd be very upset. Yes, you know, you without an explanation, why. and he doesn't initially won't give an explanation. I won't spoil any more than that. But basically, from that point on, it's Colin Farrell trying to reconnect. Brendan Gleeson getting more and more desperate to keep him at bay and then how this devolves into this huge conflict between the two of them and the way the characters around them are caught up in it. And and do you find out why? Yeah. Ultimately, he does explain why. I won't spoil it here. Sounds great. And yeah, it's very slow. It, that's probably the, I imagine that would the be the biggest knock on it. kind of thing, yeah. And it's quite heartfelt and the script's very well written. It's been nominated for Best Original Screenplay. I think Best Director, this is from the guy who did three billboards outside Epping, Missouri oh. and in Bruges and Seven Psychopaths. So Is he European or American? No, he's, he's Irish. Martin Irish. McDonough. Oh, very nice. So, yeah, look, I liked it. I didn't love it the way that the internet and film Twitter has embraced this film. Mm-hmm. Again, probably not quite my genre, but I appreciated what it was going for. And I thought performances, particularly Colin Farrell, Never been better. You know what? He, he might win. He's a great actor. A lot of people like give him shit because he banged Britney and he's all that sort of stuff like that. But like he's and he's a movie star, so he does some shitty films. But he's so good at playing wounded in this movie. Like I really felt for him, yeah? even though he's stupid as fuck. So that's good. You know what? Even from Minority Report, I remember going, "This guy is awesome, whoever he is." And that was his first role, mm. Spielberg. All right, there you go. So that's my number eight. Well, my number eight is weird. The Weird Al Yank story. So okay. let's go back to you. Straight to me for my first seven of. Four horror films on this list. Big surprise. Yes, huge. This one's an Aussie horror film. What? Which is also pretty good. Okay. It's above the Banshees of Inner Now, of course, this is not going to win awards the way the Banshees of Inner will, and I'm not objectively saying it's a better film, but I enjoyed it more, sure. just to clarify. 
This is from, I believe, first time directors, second time directors, <laughs> Kane Sen- Senners and Hannah Barlow. And Hannah Barlow also stars, well, co stars in the movie. It's called Sissy. Okay. And Sissy What's is a Sissy film about? about a Cecilia, is a successful social media influencer. She's Uh-oh. probably in her early 20s. Yep. And she runs into her best friend from primary school who's getting married and so invites her on a whim to her that's elementary school for us for you americans yep yep to her girls what do you call it hens night mm-hmm. and at the hens night they all get drunk enough to invite her to or to a party to the hens weekend which is her and her best mates and one gay dude mm-hmm. and one of the best mates is cecilia's main tormentor at the same primary school like her bully chick yeah, okay. a, a, a young woman, a young yep. girl at the time. Yep. And we flash back and forth to see how she was tormented and all the rest of mm-hmm. that. And so she, her being an influencer was this carefully constructed kind of response to that and trying to put goodwill and goodness out there into the world. And so we get this kind of social commentary, eventually horror film. It takes a long time to get to the horror. I want to That's that good. One. But it's quite interestingly shot. It's very well paced. Like you're intrigued the whole way through. It's about mm-hmm. 102 minutes long. And when they get there, her tormentor starts treating her like shit again and undermining her and and called her Sissy. That was the nickname they had, yeah. hence the name of this movie. And I wasn't surprised which way the film went, but apparently lots of people watch it worse. I'm not going to spoil it any more than that. Mm. But violence, and there is some some gore in this film, does ensue. Mm-hmm. And the, it would be higher on my list and maybe as high as number one, if not for the fact the score fucking sucks. Why? The score in this film is so discordant and not in a all good way, like all quiet in the Western Front way, mm. but draws so much attention to itself and is so on the nose. I'm like, how the fuck did they allow this through the gate? Is it, a, is it music or is it a score? No, is it's it? music, like orchestral music. Okay, right? And you it's know, shitty. Or, yeah, it's terrible. Jeez. I say orchestral, whatever it is. Yeah, I know what you mean, yeah. Oh, wow. That's a shame. If a score is something that brought it all the way down from potentially one to this. Yeah, well, th- to be clear, like the difference between my one and, and probably eight are 10 points on yeah. that 100 point scale. They're all very solid films. But That's yeah, a, I was very disappointed. Such a shame. You should give that feedback to the director and just go, listen, don't use this guy again. He ain't no yeah. Danny Elfman. Kenneth Lample did the score. Fuck, Jesus. Anyway, yeah. that's uh, my review of Sissy. All right, Sissy. My number seven, uh, everyone, is Clerks 3. Haven't watched it yet. I've got it there, but I want to watch Clerks 2 again because I can't remember anything except the donkey. You would be well advised to do so, in fact, okay. because uh, Clerks 2 is about movies, which is... Love, we say this, I say this every time. I love Kevin Smith. Mm-hmm. I love him as personality. I like you him far shit. more. I consume his shit like a motherfucker. I like his podcasts, all those things. He has, of late, the last good movie, in my opinion, he did was Red State, which was actually really good. Um, which is saying something coming from you, because it's yeah, basically it a horror movie. It's basically a horror movie, right? But everything since he's done since then, I think he's just kind of forgot. What I can see in this film is that, what it is, it's about his... Um, this first film he made after his heart attack? Yes. And okay. it is, in fact, about kind of that. What happens is the two clerks, Randall and the other guy... With Dante. The, Dante, yeah. Randall sort of serves as an avatar for Kevin Smith because Randall has a heart attack because uh, he's in his almost 50s or whatever now yep. and decides that, oh, what the hell, i got to make a movie because that's the thing that I need to do and I've always wanted to do it. So he makes the movie in the convenience store. Okay. Essentially, he's <laughs> making... imagine being working in a convenience store for 30 years. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and in the same spot, right? So that's why he's saying it. But that's the point. And he says, you know, and he basically what he does is he makes... Clerks. He makes the original Clerks, oh, but kind not of, really. Kind but, of interesting, but kind of yeah. It's it's sort of very meta, right? Yeah. 
And Stan and Bob and everyone is in it. All the same people come back, but they are like 30, 40 years older now, so you can barely recognize some of them, right? Well, this, this will have been more than 20 years since Jay and Silent Bob strike back. Right. So if you've seen Kevin Smith's Oh, we had films, Jay and Silent Bob. What was the one originally? Uh, Which was pretty strikes crap. Back, yeah, the ori- um, strikes Back was great. That was back in 2000-ish. Yeah. And then there was the Jay and Bob's... The one, the one where they went the on reboot tour. one, yeah, reboot, reboot, or yeah, something. Yeah. maybe that's what it was, and that was kind of crap. It was terrible. Yeah, like I said, he doesn't really make good movies anymore. Um, I will tell you this though, tonally it is a very quiet film. It is not like you would imagine. There are shining moments in it where you can see that he is a director. Like he uses screenshots every now and then, and it is good, and you can see these shiny bits. But to be honest with you. It's more of a gag. If you've seen every Terrence Smith movie like I have, you will probably get most of the jokes, although I forgot a lot of them. Mm. And it's got like Justin Long and Jason Mewes, of course. All these, all, everyone who's ever been in one of his movies is in here. Even um, Rosario Dawson. All those sorts of things, right? Cool. So, but there, there's like uh, Odd Religion sort of talk about it. There's like a, there's one or two lovely scenes, really beautiful to look at. So that's what I think Kevin Smith does now. Even in Tusk, that scene where <sighs> Justin Long is being drugged is actually really good. Like the dialogue yeah, and the moments. way it looks. Yeah. yeah, but it's not the whole film. And I'm not saying, look, it's a Kevin Smith film. He's our age, kind of now. He's a bit older than us, but he's not edgy anymore. This is whimsy. The ending, I will say, did get me a little bit. It's a little bit of a tearjerker, the ending. like, But okay. not in any way that's going to actually make you cry. It is sentimental and inoffensive. If you like his work as much as the man himself, you'll love it. But no, it's not great. Are we honest okay. with you? It's not great. Well, it's down here at your number seven, and you're saying this is not a great list for you. No, so. no. So, but, you is know, it funny? There's That's what you go into Clerks to want to see because the first Clerks remains one of my favorite indie films ever made. Yeah, it's more like callback funny. Like right. they use thirty seven, the number thirty seven a lot. Whereas I thought, yeah, okay, I thought Clerks <laughs> two was not good enough to watch ever again, and I've only watched it once when it first came out. What eighteen years ago? I would agree. Take? I would actually, yeah, I would agree. I would. I think Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back was the last good one like yeah, this. That was one I loved. There, Loved that movie. It is funny to see sort of like spots by Ben Affleck and stuff. They turn up in here and shit like that. So that's. Kind of cool, but not enough to get you there. Right. So it's it's nostalgia, and I watched it for him because I like him so much. That's so weird. That's never happened. So. Yeah, definitely intending to watch it regardless. So okay, but that tempered. Uh, not that I had a lot of enthusiasm, otherwise I would have rushed to watch it regardless of my lack of memory. Maybe of you like too. it. Maybe you like it. But it's yeah, it's a yeah. Feels like it's got plain film written all over it when I'm traveling. Yeah, that's your best shot. Mm. That's your best shot at it. All right. Well, this was a. A film which I saw whilst traveling. This one is previously. It's called Triangle of Sadness. Another Academy Award nominated yes, film. Yes, I hear a lot about this the film. One What's it about? Coming up. It is directed by the guy who directed Force Majeure, who was the original film that Downhill, the one with Will Ferrell and yeah, yeah. Julia Louis-Dreyfus yep, yep, was, yep. was based on. Is directed by uh, Ruben Ostlund, but Ost with the O with the... In- Two dots over it. Yep. yep. And... This film is very distinct and it tells you because it has title cards, three-act structure. It's very long. It's almost two and a half hours long. Hmm. And the first act, whilst I was painfully cringing at some of the arguments, it follows this influencer model couple. And by the way, the real tragedy of this film is the female of those two, the model in the in the yeah. film, she died like out of the blue, just dropped dead. I can't remember what it was, some natural her- uh, hereditary condition. After, the, After film? the film premiered. Shit. Or just before it premiered, one of the two. So that's a real tragedy in her name. Because they're all they're all good. It's Shalby Dean. I think she was a South African model. Oh, shit. And it's a fucking Academy Award. like sort of. Yeah, I mean, she's not nominated. Don't get me wrong. but Still, but, you but, want to be in an Oscar movie, yeah. movie. And the guy is Harris Dickinson. He was one of the leads, I think, in 1917. Nope. Really? Kingsman. Oh. 
The Kingsman. Oh. He was a young man in the Kingsman. The, uh, the Ray Fine's son. Yep. Oh, wow. And also in uh, See How They Run. So there you go. Oh, yeah. So What's it about? They are an influencer couple. They spend the first 30 minutes of this film fighting and arguing in ways that are painfully awkward for anyone who's been in a relationship for a length of time. Sure. So most people. Yeah. And then suddenly it transitions to they've been invited as influencers onto this hugely expensive ship, which is captained by Woody Harrelson. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. And they take off and it's this satire of rich people and the way they behave mm-hmm. and how they think they're better than everyone. Kind of an upstairs, downstairs, Downton Abbey type of... And then the people that are serving them, the crew, mm-hmm. and how this also gels together. And then it something happens. How much can I spoil? I don't know. And then there's a third act, which is very different again. But it's all about the classes and how they switch and uh, what is it that's good about it, do you think? What is it you liked about it? It's very sharp satire. There's okay. a lot of very witty moments. There's this absolutely over-the-top sequence to end the second act, which mm. will stick out in everyone's mind forever, and you'll okay. know exactly what I'm talking about if you've seen the film. Okay. I wasn't a huge fan of the last 10 minutes of the film. Mm-hmm. I think had that been stronger, this film would have been a lot higher on my list and indeed would be my favourite of all the Academy Award nominated films, other than All Quiet in the Western Front, which is never going to win because it's a German film. Mm-hmm. So it kind of drops the ball a little bit for me there. but And in a way, it's almost too short, this movie, believe it or not. What? Yeah, so that's just sort of my, some of my impressions. That I liked it. Interesting. I didn't love it. Okay, okay. Triangle of Sadness. Yep. All right, not bad, not bad. Uh, my number six, ladies and gentlemen, is a film that I was supposed to watch for a review that we were going to do. <laughs> and then I fucked up and I got the schedule wrong and we ended up not doing it. Not so really I, a film, is it? Well, I didn't, think, I didn't know that when I walked in. It was, <laughs> it's gone into the Galaxy Holiday Special, all right? And I was like, okay, let's put this on. And about halfway through, I'm like, hey, this motherfucker's 40 minutes long. It really is just a special. And to be fair, this is what we say, expectations kill you. This is how it is. I knew James Gunn did this. I knew it was the Guardian thing. I knew it was a Marvel film, technically. Did you know Kevin Bacon was in it? I did know Kevin Bacon was in it, which is only making me more excited. So I watch it and I'm like, okay, let's see. Because James Gunn, I love James Gunn. And then it's, I, it's, it opens and they're doing a song at the beginning here. And I'm like, okay. And I can sit there going, I bet you Paul hates this yep. now. Did not endear me at all. And it opening. went on a bit long, I can tell you. Did that song ever. went on fucking long, right? And I'm sitting there going, okay, bold choice. Let's just see how it goes. I guess the scenes of Drax and Mantis partying in LA are, are quite good to watch. I realized, I guess, it wasn't supposed to be as good as a Marvel film or anything. And I thought maybe it's and, for and kids. how shit did Groot look? Groot looked horrendous. Oh, he had like three shots. I he know, but it was like, it was weird the way that he was. He's supposed portrayed. to be adolescent Groot now, right? Well, jacked up, apparently, been on the roids, Groot. I don't know. Yeah, he's like thick or something. Yeah. That was, I mean, look, I realize it wasn't. I mean, is it for kids? It's a kids show, right? Yeah, absolutely. Although okay. they do they do attack police officers and the rest of it, but anyway. Yeah, they do that. And like there was a Batman joke in it that was really good, I thought, right? Like there were some funny moments, but once they once Kevin Bacon has joined them, it just goes straight off a cliff for me. <sighs> it's what it is is that yeah, it's just it's just a very musical y thing and it was kinda shit. Like it starts and ends on a song. Amen. And I was sitting there going, oh, the here's a, here's a little story for you, Paul. Uh, one time I was in New York and I was in B.B. King's uh, like nightclub thing. And I didn't realize this at the time. But Kevin Bacon is in a duo called the Bacon Brothers. Him and his, him and his brother. <laughs> I know. Where they come up with that name? I know, right? And But they and they were on stage when I turned up. And I shat my pants because I saw Kevin Bacon. <sighs> I was like, oh, Footloose is on the stage. And so I thought at the end maybe the Bacon Brothers would do a thing. But it's only Kevin Kevin Bacon doing a song or whatever. But... I was like, oh, okay, it's that, and then it's over. So I'm like, this is kind of shit. Now, here's some interesting thing for you. James Gunn called the holiday special 
one of my favorite stories ever. Ugh. With a story as crazy. I feel like and I'm taking crazy yeah, pills. He said he had bugged Kevin Feige endlessly over the years to do this, and finally Kevin Feige relented and said, "Here Kevin, you go, Kevin Feige. I'm talking to you, not Kevin Bacon. Your first instinct was correct. Yeah, it was, and apparently Kevin Bacon was only a quick infusion. Like he wasn't, he wasn't the whole. It was, always it was no, anyone from Hollywood? I guess he said once he'd a- figure out the story. He said, oh, it's going to be that we could kidnap someone.' And so, you know, I don't know, I don't know." One goof that you might like, Paul, is that Mantis says to Kevin Bacon that he fought Jason Voorhees. Apparently, Jason wasn't the killer in, the in Friday film. the 13th. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he didn't start killing till the part two. Yep. Anyway, thought you might get that. But other than that, no, don't bother with this one. If yeah. you're looking for Marvel, it ain't here. It's just the same actors. And it looks like they did it on their weekend off. Kind of. I would agree with everything you said. There. I was very disappointed by this. I think I gave it, maybe I gave it two stars, if not one and a half. Does so. it affect your uh, enthusiasm for the next Guardians film? Uh, no, not Because it's not going to be the same thing. Not anymore than the rest of Phase 4 did. Let's put it that okay. way. <laughs> All right, fair enough. <laughs> My number six is where effectively, five, sorry, five is where I need to issue a statement because I've got three horror films in a row coming, so. Bitches leave. Oh, God. <laughs> The first of those horror films is one from Netflix last year. It is a Taiwanese, I think, horror film okay. called Incantation. Okay. Directed by a household name, Kevin Ko. And it's this weird, mostly found footage film, largely shot found footage, but sometimes it veers out of that. So it's quite discordant and sort of all over the place. And the first 30, 40 minutes, it's very slow. Like it's setting this, which is probably not fair because it's, Jumping around in time, this woman who's, I guess, in her 30-ish, early 30s, she gets her daughter back from where she's been in this kind of foster care for some time because she wasn't capable of taking care of her. Mm. Daughter looks like four or five years old, that kind of level of dependent. Yeah. And so she's trying to reconnect and there's some supernatural presence that's haunting them. Right. Mm -hmm. That's that's the tin for you. Okay. But then how did the supernatural presence come to be part of their life is part of the flashbacks when she was a young woman with her boyfriend and another friend going to this village and trying to secretly film this ritual that they're going through. And I won't spoil anything more than that. Than that. <laughs> Full stop. Yeah. Except to say this film, by the end, made me more uncomfortable than any film I can recall in recent times. Uncomfortable? Because it's got its wicked gimmick that absolutely changes. It's a twist, basically, for want of a better word. Yeah. And... I don't want to spoil it any more than that because now you'll be looking for it. I probably shouldn't have said that. I'm sorry. No, it's okay. Uh, so what's it called? It's, it's called, called Incantation. Incantation. And it's a Taiwanese horror film. Yep. And when you're talking about it, so obviously it's set in Taiwan. Your whole appreciation for this film will depend on whether or not that moment lands for you. If okay. it does, then you'll like it like I did. If it if it doesn't, and you're like, well, that was fucking cheap and stupid, you'll hate this film. Mm-hmm. So, and I, and I would not argue with anyone who says... That was shit. I didn't like it. I'll be like, okay, I get but it. But it worked for you. But it worked for me. Long film? Yeah, 111 minutes. It's, it's, it's too long. I would say this could have used a 10-minute edit and it would be a much better film for it. So When's the last time you and I said, this movie is the exact right length? <laughs> well, <laughs> Never, I just, right? I guess I just got through saying Triangle said this could be longer. That's kind fair of enough, fair enough. So good far point, the other way. Point. But yeah. Uh, okay. So there we are. That's my number five. Incantation. Incantation. All right. My number five is Enola Holmes 2. Okay. <laughs> I haven't seen the first one either. So Have you? Nope. Oh, well, the first one's great. Is it suitable for daughter? Absolutely. Both of them? Ooh, yes. What the first one does is, like, for example, in it, it makes all the moments okay. For example, there's a scene where she's being attacked by dudes and they're putting her head in water. 
The camera is under the water looking at her face. Going, and then for a moment, she looks at the camera and winks. Yeah, okay. And then pulls it back and then she her gambit. You know what I mean? Yep. So in that way, it's not too harsh. But okay. it is still bad. Enola Holmes 2 is about Enola Millie Bobby Brown, who has now opened her own detective agency because Sherlock is her brother. Yep. But she finds that everyone's like, hey, are you... Where's Sherlock? Like, who are you? Like, and she's finding people are disregarding her because she's a young child woman. So, <laughs> young child woman, right? I was keen for this one, and I'll tell you. Here's the things that it, that it did right. Henry Cavill is much more in the story, and it's Henry Cavill, so I like it. Yeah, um, well. Secondly, the presentation of the longtime enemy Moriarty and the thing they do with that is better. Okay. Mm-hmm. The only way Wayne could be more in <laughs> to like something that Henry Cavill is if he's in. Henry Cavill. That's right. Yeah. And, you know, for that, I would stay as long as I could hold out. As long as you were invited to. Two seconds, yeah. (laughs) So, um, there is additional Sherlock Holmes lore expanded in the film. Millie Bobby Brown is good. I think she's cute and adorable, mostly. I found the supportive relationship between Sherlock and his sister really cool. It is well produced, and they abolished the Mycroft character, which I I like, because he was shit in the first film. Mycroft is Sherlock Holmes' brother. Okay. And he's in the first film, but not in this one. Now, here's the bad thing. It's two fucking hours long, right? Mm. Hate to be this guy, but it is. Too um, long is what you're saying. And they really, they really overplay the ending with the women's rights thing. It's kind of fucking ridiculous. And it seems like, it seems uh, kind of not out of the blue, but it's kind of like, I don't know. It just didn't seem authentic. And then they crowbar some factoid about it being a true event. And it's kind of Bush League. And of course, the f- <laughs> everyone at home right now is like, Wayne being annoyed about that. <laughs> Listen, fucker. <laughs> I don't mind the note, right? If it's played and executed well, just like any note, you can make a stupid note or a or or, or less savory note look great by simply executing it correctly. Christopher Nolan, all right? Oh, he does it all the time. And uh, not getting to Christopher Nolan's like. <laughs> no, he. Like I'm saying he's so good, he makes something shit great. That's how good he is. <laughs> not shit, but something stupid like fucking backward time. Anyway, the um, and then the fight scenes in here are just shit. They're just like, come on. Early Victorian rough men get their ass kicked by a little girl. Oh, here we go. Come on. Yeah, okay. It's just not, you know. So anyway, but uh, so again, I don't recommend this one. You don't recommend it? I don't, no. So wow, we're at number five. (laughs) You're not recommending, all right? Mm -hmm. Fair enough. Number four, I'm still recommending. It's even better than Incantation. It has arguably just as big a moment in a different way much earlier in the film. It's called Barbarian. Now, what is this film? The horror community, yeah, all across this. Anyone who's a horror film fan has seen this one. It's directed by Zach Kreger, who's some kind of comedian from some kind of group in America. So it's weird that this pretty impressive horror film comes out of him. There are some comedic moments. The genius of this film is its casting. Who's in it? And basically, it follows this single woman travels to Detroit, goes to get an Airbnb, rocks up in this decrepit, nasty neighborhood. Like, no one wants to be around there. And there's this one reasonable looking house in the middle of, of. decrepitness mm. and she knocks she tries to get the key out key won't come out knocks on the door because she realizes someone's home and bill skarsgård answers the okay. door bill skarsgård who was pennywise the clown yeah, yeah. in it in it part two that's right so immediately like this guy's gonna fucking murder her and then the film goes from there that's the premise what do they do because they agree to stay together in this house right i'm not going to spoil anything more than that except to say they find something under the house that catches their curiosity right and then halfway through the film, it does his hard cut, and we're in LA, and we're following Justin Long as a sleazy producer. I heard Justin Long was in it. Okay. Now that moment will either intrigue you and capture your attention, and make, well, which is already at that point, trust me, in the film very much captured, and you'll be on board for the journey from there to see how it all links back up, or you'll be like, 
what the fuck is this shit? That's ridiculous and I'm bored. It's a big chance, a big gamble the film takes, but it works as far as I'm concerned. And I would thoroughly recommend if you're a horror film fan, you watch this movie. How scary is it, Paul? There are genuinely creepy, tense, tense. It's probably the right word for this one is tense okay. scenes. Okay. And there's a couple of gross out moment scenes which are also very memorable. Not so much in terms of gore, though there is moments of gore in this film, don't get me wrong, mm-hmm. but it's not lots of it. Don't. This is not a gore fest, evil dead rise, mm-hmm. looking mm-hmm. trailer, nothing like that. It's few and far between, but they are memorable when they occur. I just think, yeah, I would even recommend you watch this. I'd be interested in your take on it. Well, I must admit, for some reason, I find myself interested. I may have I've heard of heard of it. Like everyone's talking about it. Yeah, well, that's one of the reasons to see it. Okay, Barbarian. Barbarian, my number four this week's top ten, last ten list, quarters top ten, last ten. Okay, nice one. My number four, uh, and here's where I start to sort of recommend films. Um, yes, it is. Uh, I've been wanting to watch this for a while as a longtime Judd Apatow fan who knows that he takes missteps every now and then. It's Bros. Bros. Okay. Now, very mixed reports about this movie. Yeah, and I kind of understand why. Now, Bros is about. It's essentially a gay rom com, yep. and it's about Bobby, the lead guy, who's a neurotic podcast host, right? who's happy to go on Tinder dates and content not to have a serious relationship. Now, I mean, John Mayer should hook up, <laughs> or maybe BJ Novak. <laughs> I'm just saying. Uh, that all changes when he meets... It's a rom-com, so there's a meet-cute. He meets this guy named Aaron. They're equally detached, but they like to play the field. They're repeatedly drawn to each other. It's it's basically their relationship. Now, big thing, Paul. I saw this because it's directed by Nicholas Stoller. Yeah, so Neighbours. Neighbours. Um, bad Neighbours. Yeah, all of his... I think Get Him to the Greek. All these sort get of things. Greek. I yeah, love... Uh, forgetting Sarah Marshall. Yes, all of his comedies I have loved. So I'm like, I, I'm a fan. So it's pretty good while being still... Oddly formulaic, but because of the gay thing. Well, it's different. It's different. It's different in a mainstream Hollywood film, I mean. No, it's, it's unusual. That's why I want to see it, right? And so I'm like, the lead actor is actually not likable. I'll tell you this right now. So is that a misstep? No, because it's, it's far more interesting. Okay. All right. And the biggest takeout for the film is, for me, like a, just a sort of a brown straighty, I call myself, mm-hmm. um, there are some stuff. As opposed to a straight brownie. Yes. <laughs> Actually, a lot of people call me that too. Um, the idea of love is kind of the same regardless of your inclination because while oh, the... Yeah. Love is love. Love is absolutely love, but you think to yourself, like, what's, you know, well, we're different, you know, gender. let's not get into genders, but basically it's, it's different on that level. But how do you feel about your significant other, whether it's a man or a woman or straight or trans or whatever? And the whole movie is has got a raft of the L, every letter, L, G, B, G, U, Q, whatever, right? Yep. So... I did learn that, according to this film, gay together is way not the same as straight together. Um, for example, and I asked my gay friends this, right? Mm-hmm. If you, Paul, were at a party with your boyfriend, mm-hmm. right? You're, you're definitely together. And uh, one of you goes and finds another guy who's like interesting or cute or whatever. He actually straight up goes up to, the other, to his boyfriend and says, Hey, listen, I met this guy. His name is whatever, Hank. What do you think we just throw him into the mix? Is that cool? And then the other guy goes, hmm. Well, and he has a good look at him and goes, yeah, why not? And they all just go into a room and fuck. I, I know it's a movie. I don't think that's true about all gay couples. No, no, no. Right? Uh, no. But, but you don't see that in straight relationships at all. Well, well I'm not, not sure the ones I've been involved well, in. Well, yeah. I think you go to the wrong parties or the right parties, Wayne. You might find that's different. But I think, though, that what, what I got was, yeah, if you went to a swinger party, yes. Mm-hmm. All right? But this wasn't a swinger party. It was just a party. It, right? Well, I would suggest it's probably proportionally less usual. In straight relationships. Yes. Absolutely. Yep. I, and if you talk to every girl I've dated, it's a problem. <laughs> so. 
why not keep trying? No, I won't. <laughs> I won't because frankly, I don't think I'd do very well in a three way. No, I wouldn't know where to put my hands. I don't know exactly. Yeah. I'm like, well, who am I going to satisfy yeah. first? You know, and so anyway, a lot of pressure. Yeah, but I mean, this makes sense because dudes like to bang, and if they're all dudes, there's banging going on, right? So that makes total sense to me. So I will tell you this: it is a structured in exactly the same way as any rom com. With the meet cute, the discovery, the fun period, the big blow up, the self development, the grand gesture, the resolution. All of those things happen. All right. right? It is still nice though. Wayne's book on <laughs> deconstructing the rom com coming That's soon. That's how rom coms happen. Everyone in the third act, there needs to be a blow up where everyone fucking leaves. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. And then they come back together. The, the, the low point, <laughs> the impasse. That's right. I think it's actually, it's, it's called something. It's not the denouement, it's something else. But anyway, yeah. Okay. All right, oh, there I, you go. Uh, yeah, I, there was a big reaction to this and it didn't do well. And so I think the star of it, I think it was the star, not Nicholas Stoller. Yeah. He blew up on Twitter or somewhere about that. And about then, it not doing well? Yeah, and then like, basically saying you're all homophobic and, and then people got pissy about that. Because so. John Apatow was interviewed about this. Do you remember he did the 40-year-old version mm-hmm. where there was an entire gag running through the movie? You know how I know you're gay? Because you macrameed yourself some jean, some jean shorts. Yeah, you know I, how I know you're gay. It was a different time. Exactly. It was a different time. But they asked him about that. And they said, how do you feel well, about say, having that joke? I wish I didn't do that joke. That's yet. what he said. He actually said, look, I, I'm, I'm, he didn't say I'm sorry I did that. He says, I wish I hadn't done it. Yep. He didn't say it was a different time. He didn't even, even go as far as that. Because if someone asked me, if I was him, I'd say, look. Lots of shit Absolutely that was done would back not then. do that now. Absolutely. It's a different time, yep. so I'm not doing it anymore. Do you remember back in the 50s where films where, you know, a woman's mouthing off and the guy just goes, Psh! like Sean Connery films. So, Or <laughs> <laughs> <All> life. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. And that's the thing, though. To make... Like, you know, that was that woman didn't just go straight to the police and fucking report him for assault. Let me tell you something, Paul. This is how stuck it is. I was talking to my sisters about this this morning. Ringo Starr, one of the Beatles, respected... He wrote a song called You're 16, You're Beautiful, and You're Mine mm. about a woman. He's singing about a 16-year-old girl when he was like 35, right? Oof. That was a hit back then. That's how different it was back in the day yeah, to yeah, now. Yeah, yeah. So you can't defend a thing from the past. There you go. It's hard. Yeah, yeah, exactly. All right. Thank you for that review. Um, yeah, I'll try and check that one out. Yeah, it's worth it. Yeah, yeah. I, I'd heard enough bad things about the film. I didn't give a shit about the content, but like oh, as a rom-com, not really my thing normally. Oh. But I'm intrigued more because of the con- the con- I guess it's more it's just, it's more interesting as a study to see how how this rom com and there's been gay rom coms before but how does but it not in the mainstream yeah how does not the mainstream not with Nicholas Stoller and exactly. yeah right behind. and I'm glad they made it is what I'm saying good all right great my number three last horror film on my list and the best of them in most respects is Terrifier two Terrifier what? two again I'm preaching to the choir if you're a horror film fan but if you like Wayne and you know nothing about horror it follows tell me a Slasher, supernatural slasher villain named Art the Clown. Art the Clown. Looks like a scary as fuck clown who then does crazy, stupid shit like, and then uh, he gets close enough to uh, for, tear you. For you listening, Paul just sort of posed like a clown in yep. a, with a gaping mouth. Yeah. <laughs> That's what he did there. <laughs> well done, Paul. Visual medium it is not. Perfect podcasting. <laughs> The point is, you, when a clown does a stupid face, yeah. and you go, oh, that's kind of sort of cute, though, in an uncanny valley Creepy, kind of yes. way. Yeah, this plays on that. This is a sequel to a very, very low-budget film. This one reportedly was made for only about two hundred and fifty or $300,000. The previous one made for about 50000 by a guy named Damien Leone. And he has crafted a 140-minute film with some of the most gory, ridiculous, over-the-top sequences, Wayne. You should never watch any of these films. Sure, I won't. That are genuinely amazing what he could elicit from the budget that he had. Okay. And which left my jaw on the floor a couple of times in terms of what they were able to produce. Has a great lead, female lead. The final girl is excellent. 
There are, as I've said, some fantastic kills. What there isn't, there are hints of a story. Like, oh, this is all because the, the lead's dad, she, he was an artist and he drew pictures of Art the Clown before he killed himself. And, oh, what's that mean? Mm-hmm. Never explained. Never explained. Okay. Never explained. Apparently, it's all going to be explained in Terminator 3. Terminator. <laughs> Terrifier 3. But <laughs> as far as I'm concerned, had this film had a coherent plot, it could be one of the greatest horror films, certainly low-budget horror films made since The Blair Witch Project. Really? But because it has no plot whatsoever, it bothers to explain nothing, including how Art the Clown comes back having been completely destroyed at the end of the first film. That's the problem with all horror films. No matter what, the dickhead came back somehow. Even some stupid explanation. But they don't. He just appears. He walks out of some light. He's, he's off again. Like, That's so shit. Yeah. That's shit. And then we have this ridiculous extended dream sequence where he murders like 15 people. But it's just a dream sequence. And at some point, it's like they've got a telepathic connection, he and the final girl. And it's like... Okay, but that's not explained either, so... Crap. Sounds like crap. You would hate it. You would absolutely <laughs> hate it, but I was absolutely titillated uh, and in a sense of being blown away by the carnage and whatever else that's done here and then the awesome final girl. So, yeah, I was all on board and really dug this one. It made my honourable mentions for film of the year. Mm. Pity, then, that it doesn't want to actually have a coherent plot. Yeah, it's kind of important. And if that's what... And it does normally matter to me. I would think so. So I can see why. That- Again, I wouldn't argue with anyone. Jason from Binge Movies, when he was on the show, basically implied he hated this one. I get it. I yeah. do get it. If that's okay. not your thing, I get it. You can be a horror film fan and not like it because the plot is stupid. Well, at least there's that, ladies and gentlemen. Um, okay, cool. My number three is definitely the most recent film on my list. In fact, I'm pretty sure it opened slash dropped yesterday or the day before. Oh, damn. Okay. It's called You People. <laughs> oh, it literally was yesterday on Netflix it was yesterday, as time of recording. Okay. So this is a... Look, I saw this film because uh, it had Jonah Hill in it and Eddie Murphy. Would you see a film before with Jonah Hill in it before Eddie Murphy these days? No, no. Eddie Murphy first. Okay, that's better. But... Johnny Hill's not far behind. I reckon he's one of the funniest guys in Hollywood. I reckon he's up there with among the Seth Rogen-y sort of crowd. Oof. I know, and I'll tell you why. Because he's he's a good writer. That's why. That's why that whole Twenty One Jump Street and Twenty Two Jump Street were two of the funniest. Like yeah, yeah, films. yeah, that, that were. And that's all him writing mostly. Okay, that's so a big call though, and I just wish I had a button that's like Wayne Roos's big call, like B Dizzle's big call, and we'll, we'll make watch one. The thing. We'll make one. Okay. All right. So uh, now this is no, about. I might need your permission, Billy, for that. <laughs> now. This is about, uh, well, it's a race relations rom-com. Yep. Okay. So long story short, Jonah Hill is, his actual day job is something. Hang on a second. Don't give me shit about having three horror films in a row when you've got rom-com fucking sitting in your Everyone loves list. rom-coms. No, man. they don't. So everyone. No, they Every don't. Every single person on the You planet. can't handle the truth. <laughs> uh, well, this is, if, if you think that's like Common Paul, get this. He's a motherfucking stockbroker by day, but he's also a... Podcaster. Oh, shit. Uh huh. So his dream is to give up stockbroking and become a podcaster full time. <laughs> that doesn't right? sound fucking familiar at all. That does not at all. So, and what happens is he's like, he's obviously, he's Jewish and his dad is fucking Fox Mulder and his mom is Elaine from Seinfeld. So you got Dave oh. Duchovny and, and, and Julie Louise Dreyfus. And he meets this, this African American girl who, her dad is Eddie Murphy, who mm-hmm. is, I will say this, he's a militant fucking, you know, black rights guy. And so is his mom, her mom. But this is the freshest Eddie Murphy role I've seen in years because he's actually playing it funny. He's not trying to be cool necessarily, but because he's he still looks the same as well. Like his yeah, that man is no, he looks exactly the same. But he's he's actually funny, and and the gags in this is I will say this about the film, it is good. It's good. Jonah, Jonah Hill's rhetoric is good. Him and his sister give each other shit in church. I can totally relate as a Jewish guy. <laughs> um, he managed. You to can totally relate as a Jewish guy. 
Well, he's a Jewish guy, but I can relate to being in church with his sister and right, shit, right? So he manages to squeeze in a lot of black culture jokes, which I found funny. Paul, I don't know that you would get this one. I don't know that I'm recommending it to you because there's a okay. lot of like uh, rapper jokes that are kind of in. So none are about DMX in? Uh, no. <laughs> oh, even more, far more obscure than that. Oh, shit. <laughs> So there is a square, well, the, the standard squirmy scenes with the white parents meeting the black girlfriend and making jokes. And what is funny is that like David Duchovny is like, hey, I like your braids. You know who else has braids? Exhibit. Remember Pimp My Ride? That was a great show. I, I like I like X to the Z. His shit like that, gags like that. right? And so I will say that that is good. But about midway through the film, it gets a little old. It's like every <laughs> fucking rom-com. But I I've never seen a rom-com that nails the length of it, particularly anything that Judd Apatow has his name attached to, but anyway. Mm, yeah, not, I don't know. not well, this one does. No, not this one. But like, it's, so that is a little played out. However, it does come back, I will tell you that. It's still a good comedy. It's good to see Eddie Murphy acting in a good role for a change. And it hey, actually... Dolomite is my name, motherfucker. Uh, okay. In other words. Right. Whoa, 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 yeah, yeah, whoa, 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 uh, it does end pretty well, given that it's a rom-com. I do recommend it, but only to certain folks. <laughs> Which folks? Basically my cousins, <laughs> who grew up with a lot of R&B in their life. <laughs> oh, no, no. Actually, I, 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 anyone who likes rap or, on any level, you can get to this. You can get to this. Because it's good to watch. So, yeah, what not about, bad. What about not the bad. cousins in Singapore? Yeah, definitely. Look, let me tell you something about fucking Asians like me, Paul. We love black culture, okay? No, no, I'm just like, I'm throwing back to last week's <laughs> oh, well, no, two-week show ago by the time this drops. I'm wondering whether you've had any text messages for the cousins of Singapore after we just fucking <laughs> called them out. I haven't text messages, but I haven't pointed out the episode to them, okay. so I don't expect them to look at it. Uh, but yes, that's how it is. If you're Asian, you're also black adjacent. <laughs> In your in in how like uh, enthusiastic you're about that culture. So there you go. Glad you had that last in the one show. <laughs> Big racist now. I don't know. Yellow black. Yeah. So, <laughs> uh, brown. Brown. Brello. Brello. I, I would call it. <laughs> uh, anyway, you people's my number three. Polly. Okay. Save my me. number two is an animated film. What? Which was the best animated film of last year, and it made my honorable mentions for my top ten films of 2022. It's Puss in Boots: Golan, The Last Wish. Fuck. What number two? Number two. Damn, bitch. Yep. Directed by household name Joel Craw Crawford. Okay. But Tony Bando, right? directed The Crude's A New Age and some shitty trolls film. Uh, Antonio Banderas is still playing Boos in Boots. And you must have the pause in there. Otherwise, it doesn't work. Don't I know it? Why, Paul, does this go all the way to number two for Great you? Great animation. Good. Like, we're playing in almost the same sandbox as Spider-Man. What? <laughs> So they are combining 3D and 2D in sequences. Didn't expect that. Which completely caught me off guard. Yeah. The storyline is great. What if Puss in Boots had expended all his lives down to his last one? Good, good premise. What does the, oh, yeah, the confident and masculine, sexy Puss in Boots then <laughs> do? Right? <laughs> you doing Antonio Banderas while you do that only adds to the effect. Go on. Go on. <laughs> if you hadn't made me self-conscious, I could have continued. <laughs> That's why I did it. Go on. <laughs> yeah, no, it's, it's, it's great to see him go from being in the transition of the open sequence to, hey, puss, you're in your last life, to now he's a scaredy cat. And yeah. He goes to live in this old cat lady's home with hundreds of other cats. Oh. And then, meanwhile, he's being stalked by this wolf creature who is legitimately kind of scary for a really? kid's film. So I'd be hesitant to take your five-year-old to this because I think they would be properly scared of this wolf character. Is it still in Shrek times? Yeah, it's still in... It, it, yeah. Yeah. Exactly. So, yeah. 
It's a spin-off offshoot of the sure, Shrek sure, universe. Sure. In fact, they make a couple of allusions to Shrek without Shrek actually being in here. Oh, okay, good. And then he hooks up with has to go on this adventure basically with Salma Hayek and Old Flame from his past. Oh yes. Uh, nice casting there around the whole desperate. Oh shit, didn't think about it. And uh, a dog pretending who was pretending to be a cat at the cat home. <laughs> and they go off to find this star which crashed, which apparently the star grants whoever finds it one wish. Mystical. And his wish is to get all his limes back. So versus what everyone else wants. And then there's bad guys, including Jack Horner, who sat the corner. Interesting. Uh, oh, like Shrek. Yeah. Who are I'm going to watch this chasing now. Chasing the same thing. Absolutely worth a watch. Good fun. Great ending and good message for, for every kid and adult out there. So big you know, marks. Big marks. I got like history with this franchise. I remember one time me and the cousins went to the movies, baked off our asses. All right? Well, there's your qualifier. I know. I know. But we went and saw Shrek 2, right? While baked. Highly recommended, everyone. Um, and I, I think every Shrek film since the first one's been disappointing. This is the first film in the series. This is the best film in the series, as far as I'm concerned, since the first Shrek. Really? Because I like Shrek too. Well, but then again, affected. Yeah. But um, and we had the best time. It was fucking wicked. There was a lot of popcorn and Coke, Froke, and as, as, as a result, and, and that scene in it where Puss in Boots gets holed up by the law and they're making a cops kind of thing, That's right. and they pull out this bag of catnip. He's like, "It's not mine." I'm like, "We're." Well, ah! We're pissing our pants, all right? So uh, I'm definitely going to check this out. Nice you work. should. All right. What's your number two? My number two is a, a film called The Pale Blue Eye. Oh, okay. I, I'd avoid this because I heard a couple people say it's fucking boring. Yeah, I'm interested in what you would think. Now, mm. this is Christian Bale, isn't it? And okay, so it's set in, I guess, I want to say Elizabethan. I'm not sure exactly what, the Victorian. I'm not sure. It's one of those old Edgar Allan Poe times. Yes. So, here's why it's kind of cool. First of all, I was watching a bunch of shit movies like the ones I just told you about. <laughs> and then this one, I'll, I'll give this a try. First of all, it is murder mystery, right? Yeah, they dump it into January on Netflix. Well, then that's just done it with you people. Who knows if, what the rules are on like streaming, right? Like, mm. I don't know. I yeah. think they try and partition or oh, ask Dan from Netflix and Spill, but I think they try and spread them out so there's a big name kind of draw card yeah. every couple of months at okay. least. Yeah, That makes sense. Now, this is about Christian Bale is some sort of very well-known detective, private detective. And what happens is in the local army barracks, there's a, 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 a someone gets hung, killed and hung. And they're like, who did it? What's going on here, right? So they get Christian Bale to come over and try and figure this out. And he's a bit of an alco. He's got his own issues. His daughter was abducted. He doesn't know who did it. Or he left or she left and he doesn't know who did it. Or, or, or where she's gone. Okay. Um, and what happens is uh, he's there trying to figure this out, and he comes across a young Edgar Allan Poe, who is a soldier. Who is at the, the time. bad guy from the old guard? Yeah, I was trying to pick his like his face. I'm like, this guy's interesting. He's got a very interesting, weird look. He'd make a good Joker, actually. Then what happens? He sort of deputizes him and says, "Okay, you help me figure this out. You're a poet, by the way, so I don't know what the fuck you're helping me out for." <laughs> but because of the way he thinks, Edgar Allan Poe has a very high opinion of himself. Bring, yeah, she was dead. <laughs> what? Bring, bring. May she wet the bed. What are you doing? <laughs> what has this got to do with being a poet? Why did he get it? Because Edgar Allan thinks he's smart, like like most artists do. He thinks he's smarter than everyone else, right? And so he's like, I reckon I could do That's this. That's a slight dig for the whole artistic community. Well, as a guy myself, I get it. But like he he sort of like, and, and as a result, he just like, I think Christian Bale seems to take a shine to him and says, okay, you help me solve the case, even though I'm the world's best detective, right? Is it boring? It is, is he still is he still playing Batman? <laughs> no, he's still slow. It, look, it is slowish moving, but I would probably submit that because it's set in this sort of like old era. It's snowing. It's very moody. It's very blue white, kind of old dark blue white. 
the actual developments in the story, they do come along sort of, you know, not fast and thick or anything, but the guy playing Edgar Allan Poe that you're talking about, I don't know his name. Harry it, something. Like yeah, that. I actually do rate this film. It is a bit long, all right? But it is also pretty good. Now, if you Sounds like up, another plane film. Here's the thing, though. I don't know that you can... Or should it be an 83-inch LG C2 TV think, film? Oh, uh, good. You mentioned it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I think that would help, Paul, although I wouldn't know. Um, but, like, it's... I, I got I, to see my TV the other day for the first time. Yep, it was very big, everyone. It Thank was very you. big. Thank very you. Um, <laughs> uh, but it's like, yeah, I do, I do recommend the film if you walk in knowing that this is going to be again. I was coming off like seven shit films. Yeah, okay. So this one had, you know, like better providence, I guess. But it was, yeah, the pale blue eye. I do recommend it. It's a good show. All right, then to recap my ten through two, and then reveal my number one and where I recommend my number ten is weird. The Al Yankovic story. Don't recommend that one. Everything else, I do. Vengeance at nine, eight, The Banshees of Inishirin, seven, Sissy, six, Triangle of Sadness, five, Incantation, four, Barbarian, three, Terrified, two, two, Puss in Boots, Puss in Boots. Thank you. The Last Wish. And my number one is a Netflix film from around middle of last year, I want to say, and it stars Adam fucking Sandler, Wayne. Oh. My number one film, because he's playing it straight, he is not oh. playing it with stupid voices and doing QB Halloween bullshit. Mm -hmm. It's hustle. hustle. Okay, good. I wondered if you'd like this. Paul is a long-term basketballer, everyone. I am a massive basketball fan. Played it for a lot of years. And if I had a daughter who played basketball, I would now be coaching her. I don't. I have a daughter who plays netball, so I'm coaching that. Close enough. I thought the first seven eighths of this movie were stellar. I thought the ending was a bit lackluster. Really? A little bit let it down. Like, oh, that's all we got to... Oh, okay. Screw yeah. the pooch in the end, eh? Don't screw the pooch. Just, I was expecting more because I was all in on this film for the first, let's say, seven eights. What's it about? Basically follows... Adam Sandler's character is a talent scout for the Philadelphia 76ers, which is a real NBA team, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and he's going around... Robert Duvall is the owner of the club. Wow, Bobby Duvall's still around. He did. He's a very short cameo. Robert Duvall appoints him to be the new assistant coach. And his son is played by Ben Foster, Robert yeah. Duvall's son. Ben Foster then takes over the team. Robert Duvall dies after one scene in the film, mm -hmm. two scenes in the film. And basically says, nah, fuck off. Nah, Stanley, we need you. You're a good assistant coach. You're a great scout. We need you out on the road again. And so Stanley gets really pissed and start and puts all his faith in this Spanish dude who's just a basketball on the street courts who oh, yeah. sees one day when, when he gets stood up for uh, to actually check out a proper talent mm. and he decides he likes this I say kid but he looks like he's I think he's playing 23 year old but he looks like he's older than that mm -hmm. and goes to bat for him brings him across and then Ben Foster's not interested and so they have to go the old fashioned come up through the ranks route and Stanley puts everything in this basically gets fired and it's these two against the system really and it's fucking awesome Really? And the basketball is really great. There's a great montage sequence in it. He gets a little bit of a rivalry with known NBA players. Yeah, I was wondering about that. There's heaps of them in here. Um, Skywalker, Kenny Kenny Smith okay. is one of, like, he doesn't play himself. He's one of the only guys who clearly, clearly can act a little bit. So he mm. plays a different agent. Okay. But most of the, the current basketballs, even the past basketballs, are playing themselves. And when they, ooh, when they appear, he's slamming his ring into the... Uh, into the desk. Not the first ring slam. Go on. <laughs> Not in this room, that's for sure. <laughs> um, oh, yeah, that's good. Really good. And Adam Sandler, he makes some jokes in there. Don't get me wrong, but they're all character appropriate. He doesn't do stupid voices. He's just playing this 
very drawn, kind of tired. He scout. can act. He can act. He can. He can. He can. And this is proof of that. And I'm, I want to see more of this, please, from you, Mr. Sand, unless of the man dressing drag. And <laughs> I think the Netflix shit. deal is done now, right? I don't know. Is it this the last be. one? Could it be. must be. Don't know. Um, okay, good. I, I had wondered about this film, and actually, think now based on that, I will actually give it. Yeah, a well, watch. well worth a watch, and some great basketball sequences too, because the the kid who's playing in it apparently either is in the but is it's I can't say his name. It, Bo Do- Cruz is the character's name. Juancho Hermana Gomez. Well, that was worthwhile. Go on. Yeah, I don't know if he actually is a basketballer, or but he's, I think he's apparently he's very high up and right around the league. So, okay. Yeah. Very cool. Hustle. Nice one. Um, okay. Well, my 10 to 1 is 10 poker shit. Um, nine is RIPD two eight weird the weird Al Yankovic story seven Clerks three six Guardians of the Galaxy holiday special five Enola Holmes two four Bros three you people that's what you're recommending Bros yeah uh, careful recommendation yes okay. then you people uh, number two is the pale blue eye and my number one is Pat Paul with what you were saying before about having you know your profession professed mm-hmm. up on TV this is a little bit different because it's kind of a doco but it's called Stutz. 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 Never now, even heard of this. It's on Netflix, and it's, it's not. It's a movie insofar as it's a documentary-ish. But what it is, it's actually once again Jonah Hill. What? Get this. Get this. Right. This. Is, I'm surprised you haven't heard of it. Actually, given that you're one of these people, the guy named uh, the lead. Uh, what the, people? The, uh, yeah. <laughs> Whiteies. No. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Phil Stutz, a real guy, is one of the world's leading psychiatrists. He has helped countless uh-huh. patients over 40 years, including world-class creatives and business leaders, and among them, many scare- therapy-skeptic people who have actually turned. And uh, his patient is Jonah Hill, is actually his right, patient. Because I know that in real life he has uh, right. been, been seen for anxiety. and yep. Yes. And now, Stutz, it should be mentioned, he's, he actually, he's, I think he's got a degenerative disease. I'm not sure what it is. might be Parkinson's or something. Okay. So there's that aspect to it. But the film explores Stutz's life and walks the viewer through his signature visualization exercises which he calls the tools and basically why it's cool is that he sits down with Stuarts for this really unorthodox session where they're seemingly talking about stuff and he's and you know and then halfway through the or maybe in the first act of the movie he goes he looks at the camera and he goes look turn off the green screen boom turn off the green screen see all the green behind him saying look we're, we're trying to present this as a like one session that we're talking about but it's not one session i'm going to be honest with you it's just I'm coming to him over and over and over trying to create something for this film. And the idea behind the film is that this is why it's cool. It's like the actual stuff that he's talking about, the tools, the visualization tools, is yep. actually there because Jonah Hill said, I want in whatever, however many years you've got left, I want the world to have access to your tools because it's helped me immensely and I want just... It shouldn't well, be lost I, I to like, time. I like... I mean, the guy could have written a book, but I guess you get more exposure if Jonah Hill... Is behind you. Well, it's Jonah Hill's idea. Wasn't even that's what I'm saying. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. You'll get more exposure out of it. So, well done, Jonah Hill, for saying it. And if this helps ten other people, it's worthwhile. Dude, the 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 worthiness of the film is that it is to change the perspectives of people out there like you and me who might be hurting right now. Wouldn't change my perspective. <laughs> no, but you're you're one of these people. <laughs> so, <laughs> so you said you and me. Yeah. Okay. But you meant you and them in the audience. Okay. okay. Us people, normal people, right? So, um, for those who want to go with the flow, this film has real power. I imagine what he's talking about you already are familiar with, but I will say he has a very specific take on things. Like some of the things I learned is that he maintains that shame and embarrassment are actually the glue that holds the universe of people together. Because when you get shamed or embarrassed, you want to reach out and connect with someone. And that's what creates the vibration between people. Right. Uh, Just things like that that you wouldn't expect. So a lot of really cool things. And yeah, so worth your time, people. If you're having a a tough time at the moment, and who isn't, 
you could do a lot worse than this 90 minutes or so to, to, to take right. it out and see what you can learn. Very nice. Okay. Well, obviously, no one will mention for a top 10 last season, but uh, we hope they're in the, what do we have, one crossover? Is that all? Yeah, yeah I think so. A couple. 39, 29, <laughs> yeah. 19 films that we've caught, talked about today. We know you'll find something to watch and probably a lot to avoid, especially mm-hmm. from Wayne's List. But let's hear what you had to say about the topic at hand to wrap up this episode 410 of The Countdown. It's something that we call the Pop 10. Talk about Pop 10. Talk about Pop 10. Kicking off this week's Pop 10 with Rob Walters, who reviewed, we asked for one film reviews from people who uh-huh. have recently seen. He said, Black Adam, much better than expected. Everyone dunking on it, but it was an enjoyable time. What? Okay. Hmm, there you go. Jon Snow, okay, Julio from The Contrarian said, The Northman. Robert Eggers has yet to meet a scene he couldn't bloat into, into submission. Is that a good or bad thing? Harsh. It's hard, isn't it? Holy ho. Yeah, I kind of agree, man. My <laughs> second favorite film of last yeah, it's year. Fine. <laughs> Stu from the Stuart Order podcast. Do check them out as well as The Contrarian said, a Triple R, somehow even far better than I had heard. Watched it, turned it off, updated my all-time top 25 on Letterboxd. Couldn't agree more. Oh, Fantastic film. Damn. Fantastic film. Would you have your top 25 films of all time? No, uh, maybe not, but it's up there. Top 50? I don't know, Paul. <laughs> you know how this shit goes with me. You can't handle the truth. All right, Kia Crow said, Avatar, Cole on the Way of Water. As expected, visually astounding. Most Those deaf. underwater sequences were incredible. The bright colors, and my God, did I love that whale. Best character in the film. Yeah, well, good. Everyone likes whales. <laughs> Josh Ragland said, Coherence. What a trip. If you haven't seen it, watch it with no prior knowledge. Such an interesting mind bender of a movie. And if you don't know which one it is, it's the one that stars Xander from Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Oh, have you, not, have you seen Brady. it? Yeah, I have seen it. And do you like it? I didn't like it as much as Josh did. Put it that way. Okay. Okay. Not a bad movie at all. Not a bad movie at all. Just wasn't, I would been led to believe exactly that. And I went in with too high expectations. Ah, uh, okay. Kristen Akaro said the menu, the toll the hospitality industry takes on people, colon, the movie. Oh. That makes a good point. I got a cheeseburger afterwards. <laughs> nice. And by the way, there's a YouTube video on how to make Ray Fine's cheeseburger. Mm. Just in case you want because it, it looked fucking fantastic. Mm, cheeseburger. <laughs> okay. Troy Spinner, the man who, when we do have a vote, always puts a list up. Thank you so much, Troy, for your help. June. Within the first 30 to 40 minutes, I thought the movie was just going to be about boring-ass space politics. As did I. By the end, I knew it was all about boring-ass space politics, but it was so well done... <laughs> I didn't care. Nice work. Nice, nice. work. It's a nice uh, way of describing it. I will see the sequel at the cinema, everyone, just so you know. Mm-hmm. Chrissy Innie, <laughs> patron extraordinaire of the show, said, I want to say Athena, but everyone should have watched it by now. Yes, they should have, Chris. Yes, s- if it weren't for you people, I would have seen it, Paul. I just- if it wasn't for you people, literally yes. the film. Whoops. Yeah, the film. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm talking about whiteies. Go okay. on. <laughs> So the pale blue eye is a beautifully shot story Agreed. that is dialogue heavy where whatever you think is probably wrong. What? Yeah, I would say so. Yeah, well, a, yeah, yeah. Okay, cool. Jesse Dixon, Triangle of Sadness was so weird, but the soundtrack was awesome. So seven out of 10. Boom. Antoine, another patron to the show said, very late to this, before midnight, moral of the trilogy, relationships are hard and Europe is beautiful. Wow. <laughs> well, I guess I'd agree. Have you seen those, tril- those films? No, but I agree with what he said. <laughs> Fair enough. Andrew Watson said, Catherine called Birdie. Bella Ramsey, i.e. L from The Last of Us oh, yeah, and yeah. Lady Mormont. Have you been watching that? Yeah, watch the second episode. I haven't seen the second one yet. Excellent. Yeah. Excellent. Just kept up the pace, so no complaints. 
Bella Ramsey is the mischievous daughter of a lord, Andrew Scott, in a medieval village. Quirky and well acted, but not enough to hang on a film on. Feels like it should have been a short series. Mm. Jay Talbot said, if you've seen, just watch the terrifying documentary. If you've seen We Need to Talk About Kevin, this is what a doco of this would look like. The most chilling words ever from a police officer. Your mum may have killed your dad, but your son definitely killed your daughter. Free on Tubi. It's called The Family I Had. What the fuck? That sounds fucked. I just signed up for Tubi on my new TV. (laughs) (laughs) Really? Two? Okay. (laughs) No, 2B. Need some dicks. Need some dicks. George Conaway, new member of the Facebook community, has weighed in for the first time. Thank you, George, said Pearl. And whilst I won't watch it again, I didn't hate it. The credit scene knocked it up a peg or two in my book. I totally do get that. The credit scene is... It's arguably the best film about the whole thing about the whole film, which is, in my mind, never a good thing. No. Cody Harlow, last table here to wrap it up. Cody Harlow said, All Quiet on the Western Front. I recently reviewed this film on my show and it rivals Saving Private Ryan for greatest war film ever. Word. Not that good, man. It's very good. It's very good. Very good. And then lastly, Glenn Sutherland said, He's got a, okay, I have to explain this. He's got a gif of a Herbie. The Her, love bug? The Herbie love bug. I found some old Fast and Furious prequels on Disney+. Plus. The plot's a bit thin, but the chase scenes are okay, especially for the time they were filmed. That's a Herbie. Yeah. Okay, yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right. Wayne, obviously hard to please. At the end of this episode, <laughs> what a catch. Oh, you're expecting a gif. It was a tough sell. <laughs> That's it for us today. Thank you so much for your feedback. We're sorry we didn't get to you. We really greatly do appreciate everyone gets back to us, especially when I give you 24 hours to do so, which again, happened this week. We're trying to be organized moving into next show, which won't be for two weeks. So we don't know what it's going to be. We don't know what episode 411 is going to be at this stage. Sorry, ladies and gentlemen. There's a lot of planning going on for these last three. So yeah, we yeah. Got, we got, when I get back from my trip, then we'll be doing that. We'll be rejigging the Patreon feed. So you can check that link out on our webpage, thecountdownpodcast.com. And Wayne, how else do the good folk get in touch with us? You can visit thecountdownpodcast.com or... Said that one. Yep. Did I? I did. You know, we, we double up on these all the time. I should probably just say this. Google the Countdown Podcast, get our socials, or send us an email at thecountdownpodcast at gmail.com. That is normally what you just say. Yeah, but sometimes I don't mention the website and you get pissy. So it's like... <laughs> so then I missed it. I got in first. All right, fine. From now on, I'm just doing those two. <laughs> Twitter, Twitter at the Countdown PC. See, apparently... see, technically, you're doubling up now because I said get our socials by Googling us. Oh, which I guess we'll go with that. <laughs> I don't give our Instagram handle. Just search the countdown. That's what's up. That, that, that's it's all encompassing. But hey, please keep. What going. about the Facebook list community? You can't find that if you search it on Google. Ah. <sighs> all right, fair Links enough. Links in the show fair notes. Enough, fair enough. Fair enough. Way to prove that one. <laughs> what about a Patreon feed? Yeah, that's also important. Go ahead and mention yeah, that. Yeah, that's that <laughs> links, links the on the countdownpodcast.com. <laughs> it's on the links in the show notes too. That'll do. That's enough. You know where to find us. Thank you so much for your continued support of the show, despite Podbean's best efforts to tank our efforts to get the best month we've had in a long, long time. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Hopefully that's all been sorted out now. But uh, anyway, we thank you so much for joining us. My name is Paul. My name is Wayne. And this has been The Soundboard. Holy hell, son. You're about as useful as a cock-flavored lollipop. Speak for yourself, really. We'll catch you next time. Fuck See ya. Off. <laughs> happy that you just got a genuine spit take genuine spit takes don't happen often in life you can remember this moment
if, the, if, the, if it picked that up, you gotta use it somewhere. I'll put okay. it, I put it in the end. <laughs> Just for narrative pause. I was taking a drink and Paul farted and it made me do a spit take. Paul, take it away. Yeah. <laughs> That is correct. We are forty-seven years old. Wayne's forty-eight years old. That's right, people. <laughs> so you should you should get ready for a lot the more fights. Fart fart. <laughs> it's a fart game. One, one, one day you'll find it funny too. 